Hey there, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 38. Daniel Daniel chapter 7, verse 38 or verse 28. I've done this so many times, I've lost it. Anyway, the verse says, or is recorded, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about avoiding internet drama. And let me go in here to Daniel 7. It's 28. I wonder if I have gotten it in my head that it's verse 38. And in my intro, which is not pre-recorded, I have switched it to verse 38. That is crazy. Daniel 7, verse 28. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. Cogitations is just simply your thoughts, uh, thinking deeply about something. Hello, Katie Smith. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Um, and, and that's what these cogitations podcasts are about. They're raw. They're unscripted. Um, m- normally, my thoughts are a little bit chaotic at the beginning of them, and I try to get them ordered by the end. And I take you along for that process. I started these more so for me, but lo and behold, I have a a small but very dedicated following. I get about 2,000 downloads a month. I would like to get more. So you can help me with that by sharing the content, liking the Facebook page, inviting your friends to the Facebook page, subscribing to the audio-only recordings on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio and other places. Podbean distributes my podcast to several different platforms, and I have scattered across a multiplicity of platforms, platforms, listeners. Let's get into the podcast. Do you want to avoid internet drama? Let's talk about how detrimental internet drama can be for the church. I was having a conversation with my good friend Aaron Dotson, and I put forth that Christians being on social media is actually a net negative for the church and the world. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that, because I do not think that we should stop being on social media. I do not think that we should back off of social media. It's kind of like television. Television is a net negative influence on our society. Does that mean that we need to stop putting out good content and gospel content and content that promotes good values on Uh, network television. Well, God forbid, no, because if we stopped, it would be worse than what it was. So the the disparity between uh, being a net negative and a a break-even would be much greater if we weren't there. So on the internet, the disparity between being a net negative and a net even would be we are not would be much greater if our absence was felt, okay? So we still need to be here, but we need to be real, and we need to not be delusional. We need just a touch, touch a tad of cynicism and not be naive because if we are on social media and, and other parts of the Internet and television and radio and, and don't understand that, Regardless of our efforts, it's still a net negative on the world and on society. 
then we're not going to be real and we're not going to be as effective as we could be. Facebook has really negatively affected our society. All social media has affected our society. It's made us more segregated. It's made us more, um, it's made us less cohesive. It has put us into smaller units and, and hurt our community rather than helped it. It has hurt communication rather than helped it. That's what I want to talk about today. What can you do not to add to this issue, to add to this problem? How do you help it without adding to it? How do you help the system in a positive way without adding to the negativity? Well, the drama is there. All you have to do is look for it. Here's the problem. When we find it, sometimes we find it without looking for it. We don't need to engage with it. Let me read you a passage of Scripture that might be apropos. This is a principle found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And for those of you that listen to me all the time, you've heard this before. This is nothing new. I didn't think of this today, but I did have something come across my memories from 2018 that caused me to think about this. Now listen, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged, by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. It is so, or is it so, that there is not a wise man among you? not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren. Brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, it is already a utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept the wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. All right, I'm going to stop there. The principle is this, if you are wronged by someone, it would be better for you to just take it than to get your vindication in a public way if it's against a brother or if you've been wronged by a brother. I think about a story of a heating and air guy that was, he either wronged or was wronged by a member of the church. The, the heating and air guy was a member of the church. And one or the other, it, 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 the elders should have oversaw their reconciliation. But it kind of got public. One was a deacon and the man stepped down. It was just a mess. We need to understand that uh, conflict resolution needs to be handled as close to in-person, face-to-face interaction as we can. Now, understand that you can't always do that. For instance, um, I'm all the way up here in Canada. If somebody is sinning against me, I can't get in an airplane and fly to where they are. And, and they couldn't get in an airplane and fly to where I am. So what, what can I do? I can pick up the phone and call uh, a video chat. So to me, the hierarchy is this, and, and, and this is just my opinion, but you may agree with me. So the absolute best, most optimal way 
of resolving conflict, of getting rid of that drama, if someone sins against you or you sin against someone, is to go to them in person. Kind of interesting, that's what the Bible says, by the way, Matthew chapter 18, 15 and following, and Matthew chapter 5, read that both from both sides of the coin. You go to them in person. But if you can't go to them in person, try to set up a video conference where you can see their face and hear their voice, and they can see your face and hear your voice, and they can get that body language, that nonverbal communication that goes with the words, okay? But if you can't do a video chat, then do a phone call. If you can't do a phone call, send a letter, send a private message, send an email. But if you can't even send a private message or send an email or send a letter and you can't be bothered enough to even do that, then it's not a big enough problem to even address and you don't get to go public with it. You cannot go public with it unless all other avenues have been exalted and then scripture really only allows you to go public within your own sphere of influence. Go to Matthew chapter 18 and read that passage of Scripture. It goes before the church. You do not handle these things publicly. You do not get on Facebook and put someone on blast. If I saw, Barry Odell is one of my very good friends. If I saw him preach flat out, incontrovertible false doctrine, I would not immediately put a dissent in his comment section or on his page. I would, I would, I would, well, first off, I would make a phone call and I would say, Hey man, we need to video chat because he's in Arkansas and I'm in Canada and I can't go to him face to face. That's the first thing I would do. Now it may be that I would feel the need in a very specific circumstance to whenever he posts something that has to do with me or has to do with something I'm doing, I would I would write a dissent under his post that is flat out incontrovertible false doctrine. Now the more I sit here and think about it and now that I've said that out loud, I might not. I, I think I could I could I could more get behind not challenging him publicly than challenging him publicly for the reasons listed in First Corinthians chapter six. I I do not want the world to see the division between two people who claim to be myself and him who claim to be members of the church that Jesus built, the church about which he spake when he said, upon this rock I will build my church. I just don't think it's profitable enough. And listen, I have changed my mind about this over the years. In 2015, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have Facebook until 2015. In fact, it was about the middle of 2015 when I had a Facebook. And... I was a warrior. I thought that if somebody was out there preaching and teaching false doctrine, I had to go out there and correct them. And it's, it's just not profitable. In fact, it, even if it works out in your favor, it's still a net negative. You still hurt the church. Now, that doesn't mean that if you put out content 
and that content is edgy or that content is controversial, that doesn't mean that that content is going to be a net negative as far as the influence, but I'm talking about going into somebody else's house on somebody else's post and 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 placing a dissent uh, and 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 contradicting what they're saying that that will never go well for the Lord's church. And I'm going to I'm going to put a punch here and this is going to be unpopular. Gospel preachers are the absolute worst about it. It makes me sick to see gospel preachers going on to other people's content and arguing with them. And here's kind of the way it goes. I'll put out a post and this 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 is all the way back from 2018. I put a post that was something to the effect of if um can a man be an elder who does not have a wife? Book, chapter, and verse, please. And I meant this in relation to the Mormon missionaries, the 16 to 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids that are sent out, and they have a name tag on that's called, and their title is elder. Can a man be an elder who doesn't have a wife? It's very simply, the answer is no. I got a bunch of gospel preachers arguing in my comment section. And whenever I defended my position that if an elder who is a, who is a scripturally qualified and appointed elder, when his wife dies, he is no longer the husband of one wife. Therefore, he is no longer qualified to be an elder. He must step down. He can marry another. And he begins to be the husband of one wife again. Therefore, he is giving the fact, giving that she is qualified, he is able to become an elder again. He can be reinstated, reappointed, and confirmed as an elder. Well, what's wrong with that? And if and if you see somebody out there teaching that, why would you argue against them? The, even if you don't believe it, that's not a belief that can send somebody to hell. So why would you argue against it? And and why would gospel preachers come out of the woodwork and argue about it publicly on a Facebook page that they have no vested interest in whatsoever? It's going to law before the heathen. I made the point, I made the post about Mormon missionaries. And all these gospel preachers wanted to come out of the woodwork as knights in shining armor to fight on a battlefield that they did not need to be fighting on. They caused drama because of ego, because they they just saw something that they disagreed with, and they were so narcissistic that they felt entitled to be the man that comes in and saves the day and corrects the false doctrine. Don't be that person. That's how you avoid, avoid internet drama. I posted another post uh, that same day, evidently. I'm, I'm looking in my Facebook memories. If a man starts to be a brawler after he is appointed an elder, can he still hold that position? Book, chapter, and verse, please. And in this one, I remember, <laughs> people come out, and instead of dealing with this, they made it about the previous post. Think about that. Instead of dealing with this question, they made it about the previous post. 
Don't be this person. The best way to avoid internet or yeah, internet drama is to, and I, and I put my tongue in my cheek as I say this, metaphorically, observe the Passover. If you see something you disagree with on social media, and it's not a big enough deal for you to make an in-person visit with that with that the the author of that post. If it's not a big deal for you to have a video call with that person, if it's not a big enough deal for you to have a phone call with that person, if it's not a big enough deal for you to have a, have a private conversation with that person, then it's not a big enough deal to you and you need to observe the Passover because it is utterly to our shame that we do this. It is an utter failure on our part when we go to law before the heathen. And that's what we're doing here in principle. We're going to law before the heathen. And the the people in the world just look at us and laugh, and they say, well, it's no wonder the church is in such a mess. It's no wonder. Of course I'm an atheist. You people can't even agree on anything. And if you disagree, you call names, and you can't even get along. And here's kind of the way this goes. You put a post out on social media like, can an elder, can, can a person, can a man be an elder if he doesn't have a wife? And somebody says, well, if he has a wife when he starts, he can be an elder when he doesn't have a wife. And I'm like, give me a book, chapter, and verse for that. So I, I did. It was my post. And this was back during a time before I really hammered down on my cardinal rule of social media. I, I, I decided to argue with this person. I, all I did was I defended my position. Well, wait a second. That's not what the Scripture says. The, the scripture, the, the, you know, if a man desires the work of an elder or a bishop, he desires a good work. A, a bishop, therefore, must be the husband of one wife. That word must be, that, that it's a Greek construct. I, I pronounce this terribly, like day emmy. It's, it's present active and it's aorist, those two words. Uh, one's present active, one's aorist. That means it's continual. That means once it's stopped, he, he's... he's once, once he's no longer the husband of one wife, he no longer fits that state of being. Therefore, he no longer fits the qualification. And I, and I presented that. And I was told that I was argumentative and I couldn't. It was gaslighting. And that's what people do. And that's what these preachers do. I cannot stand these gospel preachers that come out of the woodwork to go argue on post that they have no business arguing on. This isn't your house. Avoid the internet drama. And it, it, in, in fairness, it's not just gospel preachers. It's members of the Lord's church as well. But I'm harder on gospel preachers because I feel like people who claim to be gospel preachers should know better. And again, I'm not innocent in this. I did this for years, but I came to the realization it, something needs to change. And let me, t- let, me, let me share with you what brought me to this realization that something needs to change. Listen to this passage of Scripture from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 9. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren that are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. The King James says, study to be quiet. Give 
diligence to be quiet. You aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. Why? Why would he ask them of this? Or ask ask them of or ask of them this that you may walk properly toward those that are outside. Outside of what? Outside of the faith. And that you may lack nothing. The implication there is if you don't aspire to lead a quiet and peaceable life or a quiet life, if you don't aspire to mind your own business, if you don't aspire to work with your own hands, then you're not going to walk properly to those who are outside the faith and you are going to be lacking. I do not want to be lacking on the day of judgment. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't study to show yourself approved unto God, you will be lacking. You're going to be ashamed. Folks, let's take a page out of Paul's book to Timothy, or to the, the, to the church in Thessalonica, rather, sorry. Let's study to be quiet. Let's let's handle our own business. There's an old song. I think Hank Williams Jr. put it out. You better mind your own business. If you mind your business, then you won't be minding mine. Now, the closer someone is in proximity to you, the more of the case can be made that it's your business. But you know, when I was in Bay, Arkansas, I had a fella from Southern California call me and ask me my position on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. None of his business. He's obviously not doing his business. You see, I'm I'm up here in New Brunswick. I, I can't I can't focus on the business of somebody that's three thousand miles away. I got to be handling my business, and that's what we do. Here's how to avoid internet drama. Take the words of Paul to the church in Thessalonica to heart. Show brotherly love even more than you do now. Give diligence to keep quiet. Do your own work with your own hands. That's it. If everybody adopted this policy and everybody made a vow never to write a dissenting post on a piece of content from someone they're not personally involved with in real life, then the internet would be a better place. And the church's work using the internet as a tool, well, it would be much more effective, would it not? That is my prayer, is that every person with an iPhone and a social media account would put out gospel content. And I would pray that they would feel free to do that without a bunch of Christians coming out of the woodwork and beating them over the head for the convictions that they hold. There's several people listening to this live stream, and if we wrote a bullet point, a list of our convictions, they would vary from person to person but I guarantee you what unites us is stronger than what divides us. So let's focus on that. 
and let's extol brotherly love and be edified and grow brotherly love. Let's study to be quiet. Let's do our own work with our own hands and mind our own business. And let's not go to law before the brethren. Folks, I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. Please be our algorithm. Share this, share this, share this, and follow the Cogitations Facebook page. That's the way you can help promote this podcast better than anything you could do. And that's all I've got here. You've been listening to Tony Brewer with Cogita. Oh, I need to say hello to Connie Barden. Hello, Connie Barden. Uh, Diana Merritt, good to got Di- Well, Diana Merritt Harden, good to see you. And of course, Katie Smith put a uh, good afternoon in. I think I said hello to her, but I just want to say hello to the, fo- the, 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 the folks that comment in the live stream. And remember, share this. Uh, you've been listening to Tony Brewer from Cogitations. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>